0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to go with me this morning to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. Mark chapter 11. And I want you to go to verse number 22, Mark eleven, twenty-two. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about faith for these last days Amen. or faith in these last days. I tell you what, church, we're living in the last t- days and it's going to take strong faith to do what God wants done. Amen. Amen. We, we've got to believe for some great things. You know, the, the Bible said, ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Well, we know it's the time of the latter rain because Joel prophesied about it in the Old Testament. Peter took up that prophecy in the New Testament and said, these are those days. So we're, we know we're living in the time of the latter rain. We know we're living in the time of the outpouring of the Spirit, the end time outpouring of the Spirit. But notice, it's God's rain, but he still said, ask him. Yeah. But now notice this. Jesus said, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Well, would that apply to rain? Yeah. He said, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So we have to we have to make prayer and supplication and intercession, but we also have to be in faith. Asking in faith. Amen. Amen. We're, we're, we're gonna have to believe God for the rain, for the harvest, for revival, for refreshing, for miracles, for souls in addition to the things that belong to us individually, just the blessing of God on our life, because it won't do any good to have the the harvest come in if we're not there to reap it. I mean, if we're not there, if our lives are falling apart, if we're not experiencing the blessing of God, that's not the will of God. And so in these last days, we have to be strong in faith. Amen. And so I'm gonna talk about faith in these last days or for the last days. I look back at my records. Now, we talk about faith incidentally. You know, we bring it up a lot in in messages. We make reference to it. But I look back at my notes, and I haven't done a series on faith since 2012. Three years. And so it's time. If we're going to be strong in faith, we have to know about faith. Isn't that right? And so um, uh, I want to talk to you today and just give some introductory uh, remarks this morning and, and, uh, and just see how far the Lord allows us to go today. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus said in verse 22, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now the margin of some of the older Bibles, in the, uh, of the older King James, I'm reading from the New King James, But in the margin of, of, for instance, Pastor Angela's Bible, there's a note there, and it says, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. So this isn't talking about just any kind of faith. This is talking about God's faith. Think about that. Have the faith, Jesus said, for you and I to have God's faith. Well, if he's told us to have it, then it must be available to us. And if we don't have it, whose fault is it? It's not God's fault. Jesus said have it. If he said have it, then we can't have it. And if we can't have it, then we need to go after it. Amen? And, and so it's the, it's the God kind of faith. It's the faith of God. It's not what this world considers faith. There, there, and not just the world, even much of, of the church has a clouded view of what faith is. And very often in the culture, you'll, you'll hear people t- referred to as people of great faith. And usually what that means is they are a person of great uh, conviction, usually religiously speaking. They have great religious convictions. They're very strong in what they believe. And so people say they're strong. They're, they're people of great faith. And, and then the Bible also uses the word faith. Uh, uh, the Bible, I I should say, uses the word faith in a couple of different ways. One way is that the the Bible talks about the faith. You know, it says over in in one of the epistles to Timothy that uh, in the latter days, I think this is the first time, the latter days, some will depart from the faith. Well, when it talks about the faith, it's talking about the Christian faith, In other words, the body of doctrine and all that we believe and adhere to, that's the Christian faith. And he said in the last days some would depart from that. But in this verse, he's not talking about the Christian faith per se, He's not talking, in other words, he's not talking about in a large sense, you know, the, all of the doctrine and so forth that we believe. And it's certainly not talking about what the world thinks faith is, with it, which is just faithfulness and strong allegiance to a, to a creed or to a, a belief system. I mean, you could be strong in faith uh, in the Muslim faith. You could be strong in faith in, in, uh, uh, in the Jewish faith. You could be strong, but this is talking about Here, it's not talking about that kind of faith. It's talking about the kind of faith that takes God at at his word and then acts accordingly. In other words, it's talking about that kind of faith that's an act, when you act in faith, when you believe for something and trust God for it. So he said, have faith in God. Now, we're instructed to have it. You could say we're commanded to have faith. Listen, faith, like I said, is important in our everyday life, but it's important for the end times. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will there really be faith on the earth? You remember that? Jesus said that. He said, When I return, I'll be looking for faith. So faith is faith is probably uh, one of those foundational teachings and and, uh, uh, realities in our lives that, that truly are foundational to everything else. He said, have faith in God. Not have faith in the government. Not have faith in other people. Not have faith in your religious traditions. Have faith in God. Well, faith in God is faith in what He says. Isn't that right? So turn with me over to Hebrews the 11th chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at something else that's foundational about faith. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to look at verse number six. Amen. Verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Him him, referring to God, it's taken from the previous verse, he was talking about God, and then he said, without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. Without faith, again, this is talking about faith in its, in its, in its sort of abstract form. In other words, faith as, as, as it's used in this chapter, faith is, is that, uh, like I said, that action that takes God at his word, lays a hold of what God says, acts on it, and stands steady until the reality or the victory is manifested in our life. That's the kind of faith this is talking about. And it said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, no matter what else you have going for you spiritually, doesn't matter what else you have going for you spiritually, in, in spite of all of that, if you're not in faith, you're still not pleasing God. Because he said it's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. That ought to give all of us pause. I mean, it does me, it makes me, it makes me wanna check up on my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So there may be some other things that I have right in my life and God may be pleased with those things, but He's still not pleased in in my life unless I have and I'm operating in faith. Without faith, you can't please God. Amen. Now go with me to uh, James chapter one. Like I said, we're just laying a foundation here. James chapter one. This tells us something else about faith and why it's so important. Let's start in verse number two. Now, I'm gonna focus on just part of this, but just to get the context, we'll read and start in verse two. James one, verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or complete and lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For Here's the verse I want you to notice. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8 says, For he is, du- he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now, what he says about asking for wisdom also applies uh, to asking about or for anything. Now, the reason he specifies wisdom here is because of the context. He's talking about going through various tests and trials. And he says, the trying of your faith produces patience, but you must let patience have its perfect work so that you will be perfect, mature, and complete. And if anyone lacks wisdom, see, you need wisdom when you're going through a trial. That's why he specified wisdom here. Wisdom is is especially necessary in the operation of patience. Notice he said, let patience have its perfect work. You know, you can can mess up patience. You can throw a big old monkey wrench in your patience. By, By jumping out, jumping ahead, getting out of faith, when the pressure is on, when it doesn't look like things are changing, when it doesn't look like God's answering, when, it doesn't, when you don't feel anything and you can't see anything, that's when patience must continue to work. Well, you need wisdom during that time. So that's why he specifies wisdom, but the same principle is true concerning anything you ask. He said, uh, if any of you lacks, you could say healing, You could say the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You could say guidance, peace, uh, uh, financial need, whatever whatever you ask. He said, uh, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Of course, we're talking about asking things that are consistent with the word of God. Things that are in line with the word of God. First John says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have the petition. Well, he's saying the same thing here. God gives to all liberally and without reproach. You know, God doesn't dole out little bits of healing. He gives liberally. Whatever you need. If you you have a financial need, God doesn't look at your financial need and say, well, I'll give you 10% of it. And then I'll string you along for the next year. No, he says he gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. See, doubt, doubt is the opposite of faith. So he says, let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts or he who is not in faith or he who does not operate in faith Now listen, you you need to bring your Bible to church. Amen. You need to be reading along with me. You don't need to be just sitting here staring at me. You need to have your Bible open because you need to see this for yourself. See, it's one thing to hear me preach, but you need to have your Bible open in front of you and you need to be feeding on what God said, not just on what I say. Amen. Amen. So bring your Bible to church, follow along in the scriptures. If you don't have your Bible today, find somebody close to you. If they're not close to you, move down a seat or two. Find somebody that has a Bible and read along with them. Amen. It's important. You have to have the revelation of God's word. Amen. He said, let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts or he who does not act in faith is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind now notice for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything that that man which man which man the one that's doubting or you could say the person that that doesn't have faith or is not in faith the person who's not operating in faith isn't that right he said, for the person that's not operating in faith, do not let him suppose he will re- that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, that's, 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 a, that's a pretty bold statement. Now, listen to me. You have to interpret this in, in, uh, in its context and what he's talking about. It is true that God does things for people who aren't in faith. Yeah, He does. The Bible says that uh, uh, Jesus said that uh, God causes the the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. Well, the unjust aren't in faith. They're not believing God. Isn't that right? Not only that, there are a lot of Christians who aren't in faith. And He's merciful. God will do some things just because He's merciful, because He loves us. Isn't that right? But this is talking about in the context of someone asking. See, the sinner isn't asking for God's blessing. He doesn't even believe in God. Or if he does, he's not, he doesn't have a relationship with God. He doesn't know the word of God. He's not asking for these blessings. But God in his mercy, is, he's merciful, and he will give good things to people, even Christians when they're not actually in faith. But this is talking about in the context of prayer. You, do you understand the difference? In the context of you going to the Lord and asking him for something, that, that's not the same context of God just, God just being merciful to you and doing good things in your life because he loves you. Even if you're, even if you're not uh, in faith on something, God, God will bless you. But if you want to have a relationship with God and grow in Him, you need to have a personal one-on-one relationship where you're asking God for the things that He has declared are yours. And in that context, He insists that you ask in faith. And if you don't ask in faith, you won't get it. Amen. Do you see the difference of what I'm talking about? In one sense of His overall mercy, but in the sense of you asking Him in prayer, isn't this talking about prayer? If any man lacks wisdom, well, let him ask. Well, isn't that prayer, asking God? So in the context of prayer and asking, he insists that we do so in faith. Why, why does God insist? Uh, why is he so, some people would say he's hard about this. You know, he's very regimental. He just, he just only works this way. It's because he wants us to grow up in him and he wants us to lay hold of the things that he has provided for us, and lay hold of it in such a way that the enemy can never get it out of your hands. When God gives things just out of His mercy and His goodness, He just—you all know—Christians and sinners alike. God's just done wonderful things for them. You know, they don't know—they don't know anything. I don't know anything about God. Don't know anything about the Bible, and yet you look at their lives, you say, "Well, that was just God." God was just being merciful to you. The problem with that, God will do that, but the problem with that is are, is that those things are so easily taken away. It's so easy for you to lose those things. It's so easy for God to give you something in his mercy and you turn around, if you don't know how it came, if you don't know that it belongs to you and you don't know how to lay hold of it and keep it and fight the good fight of faith, the devil will just steal it away from you. So he wants us to to be able to go to him in in faith because he operates in faith. Faith is how God operates. The Bible says here in in the 11th chapter of, of Hebrews, by faith, God formed the world in the ages. By faith in the Bible, God spoke and things were created. That's an act of faith. God is a faith God. It's how he operates. And if we are going to, to mature and be the children that he can really communicate with and have fellowship with and work with us and work, us work with him on a mature uh, relationship, not just as someone who just receives the, the, the crumbs you know, at the, at the foot of the table, but someone that comes up to the table and interacts with God and does kingdom business with him. So he wants us to, to, to do kingdom business. He wants, he wants to give us certain things to tell us what belongs to us and then he wants us to go after it so that we can take those things out, be bold enough to reach into the realm of the spirit where the blessings of God have been decreed and pull those things into the natural realm, not only for ourselves, but for other people and for the day and age in which we live. We're living in, a, we're living in the end times when the greatest harvest the world has ever seen is right before us. How, how do you know we're in the last times, in the last days? Jesus said... Look at the harvest fields. Notice, look at the fields he said. That, turn over there with me. I looked at this this morning during church. John chapter 4. Look at what he said. In verse number 35. Verse 34, th- verse 35 says John 4:35. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Now notice, he didn't say look at the harvest. He said, look at the fields. Look at the field. The fields represent unreaped harvest. In other words, it's there, but it's still on the vine. It's still on the stalk. Is still in the field. He said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Yes. I tell you what, in, in a measure that has never been uh, as it is today, in other words, there, there is, a, there is a, a, a harvest field out there in our time that is absolutely unprecedented. Unprecedented, billions upon billions upon billions of people. When I was just a little boy in school in the uh, mid-1950s, I remember the first time I heard the population of the planet was two billion people. Now think about that. From the beginning of time up until the 1950s, two billion people, and now we're pushing eight billion over seven billion people just in our lifetime. that there is, there is a harvest out there and the fields are white. So he's saying, you know, you say, the older King James says, do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages. I'm interested in that. Amen. That's talking about rewards. He who reaps receives reward and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now notice, for in this, for in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. That's a message directly for the times we're living in. The harvest fields are white, that means they are at their peak, they're ready for harvest. Let's not say revival's coming. Let's not say harvest is coming. Let's look out there and see that the fields are ripe. They're ready now. We must harvest them in our time. And he who sows and he who reaps rejoices together. Glory to God. Think about all of the sowing that has gone on uh, since the earliest days of the gospel, when the gospel was first preached. Think about all the sowing. Think about all the word that's gone out. Think about all of, 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 uh, of what God has done to bring people to salvation. He's saying, he who sows and he who reaps will rejoice together. Listen, this, this isn't just about us. It's about the generations that went before us. It's about what they've sown. They didn't see the harvest that we're seeing. But they were sowing for it. Right. And over in the book of Joel and in, in Peter in the, in the second chapter of Acts, he took the prophecy from Joel chapter two and said, this is that which was spoken by Joel. And one thing Joel talked about was the harvest. And he said, everything that the, that he lists those different four different worms, the caterpillar, the Palmer worm, the canker worm—you you know what I'm talking. Turn over there and look at it. Joel chapter two. See in my Bible, it, it's—he uh, just lists different kind of locusts. Joel chapter two. See verse twenty-three says, "Be glad then, you children of Zion." That's that's a, a reference to the church. In Bible prophecy. Talks about the rain. Former rain and the latter rain. Now notice verse 24. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. See in the time of the harvest. There must be an outpouring of the spirit. That's what new wine and oil represents. Amen. Yeah. Then he says. I will restore to you the years That the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Now, the older King James just mentions, you know, different names there, but it's apparently different kinds of locusts. In other words, he's saying all all that has been lost down through the ages. Think about that. All the harvest that's been lost. And no generation did anyone reap the full harvest of their generation. In no generation. There's never been a harvest uh, time. There's never been a a, a period in the the history of the church where everything was was reaped. There have been things lost. The harvest, portion of the harvest has been lost. What he's saying is, I'm going to make all that up. I'm going to make all that up. I'm going to make up what was lost, what the enemy took and destroyed. I'm going to make it up in the last days. Well, the way you can make that up is put more people on the planet. Yeah. We're usually help, happy to help him do it. <laughs> he said, I'm, he said I'm, going to, I'm going to increase the harvest and, and, it's going to, and I'm going to make up all the lost harvests well, you can see why, why, you know, God in His wisdom planned things the way He did. And the harvest right now has, has just swollen to enormous proportion. That's why He wants children who know how to take Him at His word and will act on it, won't compromise, won't bend, won't yield, won't give up, won't back down stand on the promise of God, declare what God said is so, is so in the face of everything the enemy tries to do. He needs a generation full of faith. When he comes back, he said, I'm looking for a generation of faith. I'm looking for people who are in faith. It's not an accident that the faith message, as we call it, was preached 40 years ago and 30 years ago. And God raised up people like Kenneth E. Hagen and other people to to bring the message of faith to the body of Christ. It was it was to set us up and get us in position where we'd know how to operate on God's level and, and cooperate with Him in a way that he, in a mature way where He can work with us and we can work with Him, and, he, and He's just not having to just uh, uh, just overlook our ignorance and overlook our lack of understanding of the word and just bless us all he can when we're not looking for it. Just, there's just not enough room for, his, for, for God to do what he wants to do that way. Amen. Oh, faith is critical. Faith is critical in these last days. Hallelujah. So in the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at four questions that need to be answered about faith. First of all, we're going to look at what is faith. Like I said, a lot of people have ideas that have been colored by this world and by culture and, and what you hear on the news or you hear people saying in, in, you know, in, in the daily uh, you know, discourse. The word faith is thrown around. Well, we need to know what the Bible says faith is. What, what, what is it really that God is looking for? So what, what, what is faith is the first question. And then how do we get it? <laughs> Again, listen, there are a lot of people coming to church today who've never heard this. I said there are a lot of people coming to church today who are coming into churches and they've never heard this. They don't know what faith is. They don't know how it comes. Most people still think that faith is something that God just sort of doles out to people. He he blesses one person with great faith and another person, well, not so much. That some people are sort of uh, chosen and favored and, and they have, they've just somehow, they've just, You know, God's just been especially good to them and especially real to them and they just have strong faith and other people just sort of plod along. That's not how faith, God doesn't dole out faith that way. God doesn't choose who has strong faith and who has weak faith. He doesn't choose that. God, Jesus said for all of us to have faith. He didn't didn't single anybody out or separate people into groups. He was talking to all of us When he was talking to them, he was talking to us, and he said, "Everyone have the faith of God." Well, then, if he said have it, then it must mean that we can have it. But it also must mean that we don't automatically have it. If we did, he wouldn't tell us to have it. If we already had it, if it was inherent, if it was something that was just that you know just uh, came to us like breathing. No, it's something that we have to go after. So how do we get it? We're going to be talking about that. Not only uh, how do we get it, but how does it work? You know, if, if we're going to be proficient in faith, we have to know how faith works. A lot of people stumble around in the dark where faith is concerned. And they've learned just enough about faith to know that it comes from the Word, and so they feed on the Word, but then they have faith, but they never, it, never, it never seems to work for them. You all know people like that. It's, it's not enough to have faith. When Jesus said, have the faith of God... In the next verse, we didn't look at it this morning, but in verse 23 and 24, it tell, he, he, he illustrates someone using faith. Remember what he said in verse 22? Have faith in God. What was the next thing he said? For surely I say unto you, whoever shall speak to this mountain and say, be removed and cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things he says will, come, will happen, he will have what he says. So Jesus then, when he said, have faith in God, he immediately told us how it works. A lot of people have faith, but they never act on it. I said, a lot of people have faith, but they never act on it. And faith is not acted on, and there are ways to act in faith. There there are steps. There are steps that have to be taken in faith. Well, if we don't take those steps, we'll just sit around and sing songs about having faith. And we'll, and we'll rejoice at what faith can do and how wonderful it is and then just lack, you know, the blessing that faith brings. No, oh, he wants us to use it right. And then number four, how can we grow in our faith? God doesn't want us to stay, any of us, to stay where we are. He wants us to grow. He wants us to increase in faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. I think it's two minutes, excuse me, one minute till twelve. And so I think this is probably a good time to stop. And uh, so next time we'll get into what is faith. What does the Bible call faith? Not what your friends call it, but what does the Bible call faith? How does it work? Listen, don't miss a service. That is, I'm not, I'm not talking religiously now. I'm not saying be in church, be in church, be in church, because we just want you to be in church because this is our thing and we want you to be a part of it. No, God has, He's, He's, He's teaching us some things And revealing things to us, leading us in things in this church. Don't miss a service. Because if you do, you're going to miss out on something. Amen. Now, if you just absolutely have to miss a service, I understand that. There have been times when I've had to miss a service. But I tell you what, it has to be something big for me to not be in church. Amen. It has to be something I really don't have any control over. Amen. It ought to be that way in all of our lives. Amen. Be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night prayer, Wednesday night, and then whatever activities are going on, be involved in those activities. In the early church, it said they exhorted one another daily in these things. Not weekly, daily. I, I, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting on anybody. I'm saying it's important that you be in church. So don't miss Sunday morning. Don't miss Sunday night. Just don't think, well, you know, I come on Sundays and, and I was here Sunday morning. I'll see you next week. Well, you're going to miss stuff. You're going to miss stuff. Well, I can, I can download it. and Listen, yes, you can. And, and, and there's some blessing in that. But you won't get the full import. You won't get the full blessing. There, there's something about being in church where the Spirit of God and there's a corporate anointing and His presence is manifested. The Spirit is operating among us where He says some things. He'll say some things to you in church, sitting in a church service simply because you obeyed Him. You came to church. You're, in, you're, you're here with the, with the company of believers. You're in the, the assembly that He has called. There are, there are some things that He will speak in that setting, in this setting, that He won't speak any other time. Now that's just absolutely a fact. Well, I believe God I believe God can talk to me anytime. Yeah, but when he says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and you do it, you forsake that, you neglect, is what the Greek says, don't neglect that. When you neglect it, you think God's going to say, well, you know, I tried to get this knucklehead to go to church, but since you won't go, I'll go ahead and get, no. He don't always work that way. He doesn't always work that way. There's some things that... Uh, He wants to do among us. Don't miss it. I tell you what, don't miss it. Great things are happening. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's just stand for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Great days. Great days. Great days. Great days. Great days. Hallelujah. 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 Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Esagia, vanana. Glory to God. This move of the Spirit and this outpouring, this refreshing, this time of revival, this is not something that has just come about. This is something that we've been in for a length of time. Years have passed Time has come and gone. This this outpouring of the Spirit and this revival has been underway for some time. But the Lord says He's been watching over this, nurturing it. The Spirit of the Lord has brooded over it, watching, protecting it. Because in times past, men have gotten in the way and what God wanted to do some men perceived it but then they tried to do it on their own and in their own strength and they got it into the ditch but this time the Lord has allowed it to go and to develop slowly to put all of the pieces in place Putting things into men's hearts as they were able to take it, as they will as they were able to bear it. And there has arisen a generation that's not presumptuous. There has arisen a generation that has learned to depend on the strength of the Lord and the help of the Lord. There has arisen a generation that will not run ahead and get out ahead of what God is doing. Some have said, we've been slow, but the Lord would rather us be a little slow. He can work with us and direct us when we're a little behind. So much better than getting out ahead of God like like prior generations have. There has... this this generation, this generation, God has watched over and nurtured and brought us to this place that the Word would simmer in us and ripen and come to maturity and that we would learn the ways of the Spirit knowing that the Holy Spirit must prevail. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke not the will of man or the energy of the flesh but the power of the spirit working through yielded vessels and so the, and so this this revival has been underway but it's been slow and the Lord has watched over it and nudged it along and now now the steam is is building The power of God is growing it's a generation that's been made ready glory to God thank you for it Father we're in these last days the great the great outpouring of the Spirit is upon this earth people are catching on people are being made aware they're being alerted here and there. They're picking up picking it up in their spirits. And they're finding out that other people have the same urgency, the same awareness, the same stirring. And it'll grow. It'll grow. It'll grow, it'll grow, it'll, grow. it'll increase, it'll become stronger and stronger. And the harvest, the mighty harvest the mighty end time harvest unlike any other in the history of the world will be reaped it will be reaped glory to God thank you Father thank you Lord it will be it will be reaped we all have our part we all have our part glory to God thank you for it Father thank you for it Father So be diligent, be faithful, be steady. For what he has started, he will finish. He'll bring it to conclusion. We'll wrap up the church age. We'll go out with a shout. And with a tremendous gathering of people. Clouds, clouds, clouds of precious saints will rise up to meet Him in the air. Glory to God. From every corner of this globe, from every every nation, from every language, from every, every group, oh, hallelujah. What a harvest there will be. What a harvest there will be. Glory to God. So, rejoice. Be glad. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Manahashi. Behefanini hephnini istia storia perdea. Ephraperadea, fripbianda etam estia stostoras memera isha ratha standanea. Yeah. You've you've been chosen. You've been chosen. My hand is upon you, each of you. You have been chosen. But now, what will you do with that choice? What will you do? Will you obey? Will you yield yourself unto Him? Or will you just while away the hours not being interested not being mindful of what the Lord is doing and the blessing that He intended for you you'll just let fall to the ground or will you be in soberness will you be alert and hungry and, and, and will you stir yourself up to lay hold of Him that you can have everything that he has for you, so that you know you will stand in his presence as one that needs not to be ashamed, but one, uh, one for which the Lord will say, "Well done, good, faithful servant." Yeah, the hand of the Lord is upon you. So, don't take it lightly. Don't think it's just ordinary or common. What the Lord is doing in these days is unlike in depth. In depth. It's unlike anything He's done before. It's fuller. It's stronger. There's more at stake and there's more available. So lay hold of that that He has put in your heart. Lay hold of it. Run with it. Let the, let the hand of God rest on you mightily. Let His Spirit fall on you and and stay on you do what you know to do the Lord will strengthen you Ah, hallelujah and what you don't think you're able to do you will do and what you think is beyond you isn't beyond you and what you've seen the Lord do for others he will do in and through you and so encourage yourself in the lord and encourage one another and say we're not looking for four months and a later coming harvest the fields are ripe unto harvest now let us rise up and take the land let us reap the harvest let us gather it in oh hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord